Hi everyone, how are you? Good. Alright, um, this is my story since we were talking about stories, so I'll dive straight into it. Um, the first thing I like to clarify to people is that you can hear me and I sound probably like I have an accent to you. I do, I have a Canadian accent. However, I was actually born and raised in Brisbane, so I have they're not really Canadian parents, but they, they studied in Canada and grew up in Canada. And a combination of listening to them and watching Sesame Street, something like that, growing up, I picked up this accent. So I am born and raised in Brisbane, so if you ask me any questions about Australia, I'll know the answer to them. Okay. So what I'm about to talk about isn't, it's not what I do as a full-time business. This is something I did part-time. And the reason why I guess I talk about this is, right now is because you're all running businesses and it'd be a great chance to you, for you to possibly consider doing this as an investment strategy for the profits you make from your business or of course you could do it full time. In my case, it was an investment strategy. I did this, uh, it, well, let me ask the question, who of you knows my blog, Entrepreneur's Journey? Okay, not so many, that's good. I usually speak to people who know me already, so this will be fun. Um, I've been blogging for four years and this talk has very little to do with blogging, but that's how I've established a business and I've built up a profile online. That's how I met Andrew and Daryl and so forth. So I've made money online and taken the money I've made into a strategy of buying and selling websites. So what I'm going to do is take you a bit of background to reach the point where I understood what it meant to make money from buying and selling websites. So as I said, born and raised in Brisbane, I went to the University of Queensland and studied a business management degree. Uh, although it sounds relevant, I really didn't gain any, I guess, knowledge that I used with what I do today, but it was a great way to pass time. And uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun learning what the internet could do for me. So while my friends were out getting drunk and you know, doing stupid things on Friday nights, I'd often be uh, playing with my website. So a little bit geeky, um, but I really enjoyed it. And in fact, my first website, I can't show you because I don't think we have internet access, but I had a GeoCities website in 1999 for a card game I used to play called Magic the Gathering, but I'll, uh, I'll talk about that later because it's got to do with one of the website deals I did. In 2004, I began blogging. Now, for all of you people who haven't seen my blog, please remember my name or that website address. Uh, if you're not into blogging, I, as I said, I won't be talking much about blogging, but it's been an amazing thing for me. It's transformed uh, my life in terms of the freedoms I've had and what kind of life I've been able to live, the kind of business I've been able to run. And uh, I got a university in the early 2000s, and I never went on to a full-time job. So it's always been online business for me. And I've been lucky enough to always make enough money to get by and then some in more recent years, thanks to the internet. So, all right, where am I today? I, I do work a couple of hours a day, and most of that time is spent writing blog content and teaching my students. I run a couple of membership sites that teach people how to blog, and uh, I do some membership site content as well. But most of my time is I, I get to, uh, whatever I'm going on in my life, I will write about it or record a podcast audio and publish it on my blog. Now, don't know how many of you from Brisbane, but I spend a lot of time at the Three Monkeys Cafe. Who knows Three Monkeys? All right, yeah, I love Three Monkeys. I sit there with my, my Mac and do um, you know, a couple hours of writing, and that's where I, I get my content for my blog. And most of that comes from experience of attending events like this, just doing things online, and I just regurgitate it onto my blog, and I built up a following. I've got about 60,000 daily readers who read that blog, and like, as I said, it's the basis for everything I do. I built my email list through that as well. I've got a subscriber base of about 40,000 emails as well, and uh, it's the center point for everything I've done, the exposure I've gained, 
and uh, introduced me to some wonderful people as well. Um, I'm about to show you a slideshow. Last year I spent eight months traveling around the world and throughout that entire time I was running my business. I don't actually have any employees. I basically am the, I guess I'm the content creator. I have a few contractors who do technical side of my work, a customer support person, but that's it. It doesn't go any further than that. And it's because my business is so hands-off that I was able to spend an entire, almost an entire year traveling. And really my business did a lot better, in fact, than obviously the previous year because I was able to just spend those few hours a day, keep her growing, and enjoy some success online no matter where it was in the world. Yeah. Okay, so this is my slideshow. Uh, I went to a lot of places during this time, so it, it was quite incredible. This is the first spot, um, Hoover Dam in Las Vegas. I don't know if you've been there before. I was there in summer. That was a, a big mistake. It was 40 degrees Celsius when that photo was taken, and it was ridiculously hot. I, I haven't been to the desert in Australia, but I presume it's about the equivalent of that. This is me in Niagara Falls. I have family in Toronto, so Niagara Falls is not too far to go. And I, in fact, based myself in uh, Toronto for a couple of months over the summer there. Um, did a, a product launch while I was there, uh, rented an apartment, and had a really good summer. Big fan of the tennis. I went to the US Open, in, uh, and actually that match there is a Roger Federer game. He, he won that, that uh, tournament that year. And I've uh, been to the Australian Open. I want to get to Wimbledon and the French Open to complete the full picture. You should know where that is, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Stonehenge, that was, yeah, that was fun. Uh, I, I've never been to London before, so seeing England and Scotland and all that was a great experience. And you know, it's a, a really big place. I didn't realize how busy London would actually be. Uh, love chocolate. Um, definitely a highlight for me was visiting Belgium. Uh, I don't know if you've been there before, but there's a section in Belgium, or in Brussels, Belgium, where it's just chocolate store after chocolate store after chocolate store. And for the first time in my life, I think I actually got sick of chocolate because of that place. So really, really had a good time there. Again, pretty obvious. Eiffel Tower in Paris. Fun. This was new for me. I'd never been to that part of the world. This was uh, Dubai and the United Arab Emirates. And that was a desert safari trip. I don't know if you've ever done this. You get in a uh, sort of four-wheel drive and they take you over the desert dunes and they knock you about and I really didn't like it so <laughs> I don't recommend you do it if you're not an adrenaline junkie. I'm not an adrenaline junkie but if you like bungee jumping, go for it. Uh, you'd love that. Um, and just to prove that it wasn't all fun, uh, this is me in Chicago basically doing some work. Um, the reason why I have that facial expression is I actually was a bit sick before that happens, not because I don't like working, but um, that's pretty much the sort of thing I do. I'd find a cafe, bring up a laptop, do some work, and get away with it. So, uh, the money has been really good. Uh, I can't complain, as I said, I have this very small operation and I'm able to make you know, much more than the average person. Uh, last tax year was a quarter of a million dollars, and actually this tax year I just passed half a million dollars. So. Um, because I have no employees, that's around about a profit margin of about 70%, so it's a really fantastic business model and, and gives me the freedom to travel and come back from my travels with more money than what I left with. Uh, own my own house, I have a house in Mitchelton in Brisbane, Australia, and own my own car, etc. Yeah, that's pretty much you know, the background story. So, almost there. Uh, Libraries of trial and error. So, there's a few lessons I learned along the way that for me, and this, Andrew Darrell had a big part in this. Before I met Andrew Darrell, I really wasn't making a lot of money and I was doing a lot pretty much by myself. I didn't have that contractor doing customer support. I didn't have a contractor doing technical things for me. It was
was a lot of me sitting there trying to get my blog to do what I wanted to do, didn't have a product of my own, and spent a whole lot of time, essentially wasting time. And it, it was actually Andrew who sat, you know, sat me aside one day and said, you should really get a product of your own. You built up a following and you, you really should spend some time delivering what they want. They love you already, so you know, put a product out the door. And I finally did launch um, a membership site to teach people how to make money from blogging. And that was the first time I really got some significant financial freedom. I had uh, about 500 members join the first program. I, I grew it to 1,000 members and really got some, that's why I can quote those numbers basically. I you know, make some great money from my membership site, from my blog. And if it wasn't for wasting a lot of time early on and then finally getting a realization that I needed to get a little bit of help, not full time necessary, but some contractors to do some things for me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, that's pretty much it. So now I'm going to dive into what this topic is all about. Now, everything I just discussed there generated income for me. And what I did with that income is very similar to what people do with uh, real estate in the real world. But I wasn't into buying houses. I didn't really feel comfortable spending that much money. But I knew about the internet. So I've been actually able to buy and sell websites and make about $180,000 in profit as a part-time activity. It has been something that's not my, my core business strength, but I've been able to uh, reinvest what I do into that. Uh, as I'm going through this, by the way, feel free to stop me if you have any questions. I, I have some time at the end for questions. But if there's something you don't understand, just jump in front of the mic and ask away. I love questions. So, so I did this part-time, and what it really taught me was that you can treat website investing very similarly to the way you treat uh, real-world physical investing. So just like a house has an address, a website has uh, a URL, so it's a property. Now, the way I set up my websites was to produce an ongoing passive income stream. And I'll tell you how to do that in a moment, but you can compare that to rent, like you receive from a house. So, uh, the difference here is the entry-level cost to buying web property, not physical property, is much lower than what it is to buy uh, real-world property. So, you know, to get into the property market, you have to get loans of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you want to experiment with what I'm about to talk about, you can start with as little as $500 to get your feeling around how this works and ramp it up. Uh, the biggest deal I've ever done was the sale of a $100,000 website. I've done some twenty dollars and $30,000 deals as well. But I did start with a low-level one. One of the key concepts with this is, again, just like real-world property investing, you can treat a website the way you can treat a house. You may go out there looking for a house that's you know, fallen fall into a bit of disrepair, needs renovating. A website has the same, has the potential to have the same characteristics, and you can renovate it. In uh, obviously, it's a bit different. You renovate it in the sense of you build more traffic to it, you help it generate more income. It then increases in, in value, and you can then sell it for more. So you can do this like a, a flipping strategy, or you can do it a buy and hold strategy. Um, whatever you, you choose to follow. I've done both. I've held some websites for several years and then sold them, and some I've just sold uh, within a matter of months. Okay. I'm going to go through some case studies, and this is probably the best way for me to illustrate how this works. So uh, these are quite lengthy. I'm, uh, as I said, a little bit geeky. I was very geeky in uh, high school. I don't know if you've heard of a card game called Magic the Gathering. Who's heard of that card game? One, two, three, four. All right. That's not bad, my fellow geeks. Um, it's, it's a bit like chess combined with poker. 
combined with a little bit of dragons and elves and Lord of the Rings style elements. So uh, I'd like to clarify that it's not Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, when I first told Andrew and Daryl about this, they accused me of being a, a Dungeons and Dragons role player, and I had to clarify that it's a hierarchical structure <laughs> with um, geeks. And you've got Dungeons and Dragons right at the top. Magic actually sits a little bit lower than not as geeky. <laughs> and some people did both. They would. I only stuck to magic, so I never progressed to the top. I just want to clarify that. Um, this was a hobby for me. So during high school, I saw a friend of mine gave me some cards and I started playing. And it became really quite serious. I found out they have tournaments and there's a whole uh, range of uh, professional magic players. They're like professional poker players. And there's a pro tour that gives away about $6 million a year. People play, um, some guys make a couple hundred thousand dollars as a magic card player They travel around the world. Uh, I managed to uh, visit um, Seattle as part of the Australian National Magic the Gathering team in 1998. So uh, that was the highlight of my career as a professional magic player. Um, I also visited Japan, and Melbourne, Singapore, a few places like that. Uh, what happened with me was I, I really enjoyed it as a player, but what occurred as I entered university was I was given this free internet account at the University of Queensland uh, to get some dial-up access to the internet. And that's when I started exploring everything with um, working online. And I discovered GeoCities at that time. Now, my core passion that I was really into was this card game, but as I was learning about the internet, I discovered that, you know, maybe I could make a website about this card game. So, I started a website called Magic in Brisbane, and all I really did was write reports of the tournaments I was playing in. I talked about some of the decks I had made, the cards I was playing, and it, it, was, it was me geeking out in a web-based format. So I'd go to a tournament, I'd write about it, and I built a following, first in Brisbane, and I turned it to Magic Australia, so it expanded to Australia-wide. And then I did something that was really smart, and this is something that's worth noting down if you can follow the strategy. I added a forum to this uh, Magic site, uh, Change the name, by the way, to mtgparadise.com. I'll show you a picture in a moment. So it's, a, it's an Australian-wide website devoted, devoted to this card game. I added a forum to it, and I gave people the option of basically trading cards at this forum. Now, when the, I did that, suddenly all these Australians, geeky gamers like myself, just came on and started selling their cards, started swapping cards in this forum. And that was a sticky point. It made this site very sticky, and it grew organically through viral word of mouth as a result of doing that. Uh, and that influenced my strategy for website flipping many years later, because I looked for websites that had a sticky point like that, that meant people would come create content for me, create value for me, so my asset would increase in value without me having to actively create content. So that's a really important point if you go into website flipping. You want to, if you want this to be passive, you need to find ways to develop uh, either content or you know, have people use your website without you personally investing the time. So when I first started this website, it was me sitting there writing articles. I added the forum and it just it, it ballooned, exploded. And one other thing I did with that website is the first time I outsourced writers. So there were other people who really enjoyed the card game Magic the Gathering. You may not believe me, but there are. And um, they volunteered on a volunteer basis to write content for my website. So Basically, this became a very basic hobby to essentially the largest Australian Magic the Gathering website in, on the planet for Australia. And it still is today. Actually, I sold that website. I'll talk about that in a moment. But because I had people writing the content for me and I had the forum running there, it was almost hands-off. I had a moderator running the forum. I just had to check in and make sure the content was going live, and that was basically it. 
it was around uh, this time that I started seeing a lot of information about people making money from websites, selling websites, and of course, I knew that if you stick some banners on the website, you can make money. So that was my next step. I began placing advertisements on the website. I would contact retailers of this card game, say I've got an audience of Magic players, would you be interested in advertising on my website? And I got a handful of advertisers who said yes, and uh, they put up their banners, and they started paying me $50 a month, $100 a month, and I brought that together. Never made me rich, but I did bring up to about $1,000 a month in income, and as a university student, that meant I never had to get a job cleaning toilets, working at McDonald's, news agent, whatever it is. That website gave me money to play with. Okay, now, it was 2003, I think, around about then, I was walking across the uh, Queen Street Mall in Brisbane, thinking that I was no longer interested in Magic the Gathering as a card game, but I was actually enjoying running websites still. But my interest was moving elsewhere. I was getting more into internet marketing and trying to ramp up my income. And it just dawned on me one day that I could actually sell this website. And for whatever reason, I never looked at it as an asset before that moment. Uh, but when I did the numbers, I thought, wow, I've got something that makes money. Um, pretty much runs by itself. I no longer need to do anything to keep it going. Therefore, it could deliver value to other people. So all I need to do is find a buyer for it. And for me, that was a light bulb moment. Uh, I guess it's a point I didn't really emphasize enough previously. If you have websites now that make any kind of income, and especially if they're hands-off, you've got an asset. So uh, it's, uh, as an exit strategy or as a, a profit strategy, buying and selling websites is an option for everyone in this room. Especially if you want to maybe leave a marketplace and you've got a website that's making money, you can sell it. And that's exactly what I did in this case. So I got, I got my lost interest in magic. I came, became a little bit cooler. I got into internet marketing, which is a lot cooler, and uh, eventually found a buyer. So to find found that buyer, uh, I pretty much contacted the people who were within my sphere of influence within the community of Magic. So players, card store owners, um, people who traded cards. Got a few offers and eventually settled with the deal and made a little bit over $13,500 from selling this website. And for me at the time, that was about how much money I made in a year. So it was a significant injection of cash flow, and I was pretty stoked, to say the least. Just to clarify, if you've never seen Magic the Gathering, I'm putting this in. That's a Magic the Gathering card. This guy here is the Roger Federer of <coughs> Magic players. His name is Kai Bude. He's German. He's won seven pro tours, made about, I think, $350,000 playing the card game travels all around the world, and there's a bunch of guys just like him uh, doing this all the time. And that's a deck of cards there on the left. And this is a tournament. This is a professional tour. I believe this one was held in Kuala Lumpur. And um, it's a bunch of geeks having a great time. I love it. Uh, it really is. I, can't, I can't describe how much fun that was. Uh, yeah, where are the girls? <laughs> the, the funny thing about this sport is it is male dominated, but if you are a girl, you have such an advantage as a player because the guy doesn't know what to do and he sort of freaks out a little bit. So, it, was a, it was a few really smart guys who would bring their girlfriend along and have them stand next to them with a low cleavage top. They win games just by doing that. But, um, and that's pretty much how, the, at the top level, this is how it works. So 500 people fill a room, play cards. At the end of a single elimination tournament, there's a winner. He walks away with about $50,000, and that's how they make a career out of it. 
what I, I like to compare it to is you've probably all seen a movie and where you basically have escapism, you leave yourself for a while. This is what a magic tournament is for magic players. You go into a place for a whole weekend, maybe like what we're doing right now, and we're basically geeking out about business right here. This is what these guys do, and you, you leave the real world for a while, and <laughs> now, well, it's a little bit different business than magic, but uh, there's some women here for starters. But, um, and that was, that was the fun, that, that was why it was fun. And that's why it still is fun for a lot of people, but so that's what the website looked like when I owned it. I changed the design a few times. Uh, very simple. It's just content, really. All there was is content, the forum. Um, you know, I, I spent way too much time. This is, if I was going to say I had a regret out of what I did when I was younger with this, it was just spending too much time trying to play around with the look of this website. It really was a waste of time, but it was fun. So that was my first foray into uh, buying and selling websites, or in this case, selling websites anyway. This is the next case study, it's a little bit different. This is blogging, this was my strong point. Uh, from after running that magic site, I moved on to running a proofreading business. I had an English school, uh, that was an offline English school. And uh, basically the proofreading business became my main business for the next few years. And I really developed that into a, a standalone business. Not the subject of this talk, but that business brought me into the world of blogging. Because I discovered blogging because I was told it was great for search engine rankings. Uh, I could bring customers to my proofreading business by running a blog. So that was the theory, and I decided to investigate whether it worked, and I started blogging as a result of that. I tried to write about proofreading as a subject, but it was extremely boring. I really didn't like it at all, and I switched it over to a blog about entrepreneurship. I told stories about the businesses I had run, and it grew into what I talked about before. As a part of that process, I learned a lot about what it takes to build and keep a successful blog growing. So when the opportunity came to invest in a similar blog to my own, I grabbed it. And that's the second case study here. This blog was called smallbusinessbranding.com. Now my blog was about internet marketing. I, I had switched it from proofreading to internet marketing. And as a natural course of running that blog, I got introduced to other bloggers who also uh, wrote about business and internet marketing, and we just connected through Skype or through email, and, uh, and this is before Facebook or anything like that. And the person who owns this blog, uh, Small Business Branding, his name was Michael Pollack, and he was a, a web designer slash small business kind of fan, he really loved small business. He started this blog, grew it, but eventually decided to move on and focus on his design business, and he told me, uh, when he was getting interested in selling it, that he was thinking about selling it. And I said, I'd be interested in, in making an offer for you for it. And I did. I basically, what he did, he told me how much traffic the website was getting. It was around about, I think at the time, it was about 400 visitors a day and around about the same monthly income, about $400 in income per month. Now, I knew how that website worked and I was fairly confident I could keep it growing. I was still nervous because I hadn't really invested um, that kind of money and negotiated a sale before. Um, so I went to bed at night after I made the offer wondering whether I was going to follow through with it. Um, $2,000 at the time was probably 5% of my income. wasn't sure whether I would keep it going. Deal went through, bought the website, and immediately hired a team of, sorry, not immediately, eventually hired a team of writers. Initially, I actually tried to write to this blog at the same time as I wrote to my own blog. And I found out that that's just a lot of work. Uh, I like to write, but not that much. So what I did was I restructured this blog. So this is actually worth writing down as well. If you decide to follow a blog acquisition strategy, you're not going to want to write the blog yourself, not very likely. 
So what you can do with a blog that's got a little bit of traction, a little bit of traffic, is hire a team of, again, volunteers. Now, I like to get people on board who are motivated, but I don't have to financially invest and lose you know, some cash flow by doing that. So what I will do is I'll incentivize them writing for me by giving them exposure on the blog. So all I did with this website, after I acquired the small business branding blog, I had a designer do a redesign to incorporate a couple of sections on the author, uh, the author's section of the website where they could put their own advertisements. So essentially, if they wrote an article, published it on my blog, they could control the banner down the left side. They could put an opt-in box for their mailing list uh, in the top right corner. They could do something like that. So it gave them an incentive to write and build traffic. Uh, but I owned the website, and I, I still made money from advertising that went on the website. So uh, as a result of setting up that system, I was able to recruit about five writers who would write for me once a week each. So I'd have one a day coming out on my blog. And that made that website, again, nearly passive uh, in terms of keeping it growing. The one thing I didn't have is I didn't have an editor, someone to check their articles, press publish. So once I got tired of doing that, the, the fact is here, I'm pretty lazy. That's the problem with this. I wanted to work on a project, and I wanted this site to be passive. So I was really happy that someone was writing content for me, but I wasn't happy that I had to go and proofread and, and publish the content. So what I did, because the website um, was making enough money, I, well, this is what happened. It was making about $400 a month. I hired those writers, the traffic increased, I started getting more revenue from advertising. Income increased to about $1,500 a month as a result of that. I then went and found a university student who was interested in internet marketing. His name is Robert Kingston, he's from Brisbane. And I said, would you be interested in being the head editor for this website in exchange for some of the revenue? So I paid him half of the AdSense revenue, it turned out to be about $500 a month, and he just managed the whole site. I kept the rest of the money and it became a purely passive income stream. And we kept growing that website. The great thing about it, I bought it for $2,000. Within three months, it was making $1,500 a month. I was keeping $1,000 a month from that. So it basically turned itself around within four or five months. And I kept growing that site. And I, I owned it for about two years before I eventually decided to sell it. So over the course of the period, I probably made about $15,000 in cash flow, which I pocketed myself. And then when it came time to sell this website, I could get so much more for it because I'd set up these systems. I had hired the volunteer authors and I had hired Raw to look after them. So this website was passive, therefore the value I could get for it selling it was so much more than the 2000 I paid for it. And in fact, when I ended up selling that one, it went for 25,000 US dollars. So fantastic little case study, completely part-time. I was busy writing my own blog, starting my training programs, membership sites, and uh, this was happening all on the side. So that's an ideal situation to go for. And so you keep that in mind if you start looking for websites, think about ways to systematize them and outsource the, the part of the website that generates the income. Uh, in the Magic Sites case, it was a forum that was meant, meant it would grow virally by itself. In this case, it was the volunteer writers that kept the site growing and they had an incentive to do so because they could also benefit from getting more traffic. That's what the website looks like uh, today, I believe. So, and that's one of the volunteer authors back when I was in charge of it. Uh, you can't quite see, but down the right side was the advertising, and down the left side was the two, and they could put a banner in the top as well. So, very easy to change that website design to incorporate that function to let the authors put up the advertisements themselves. All right. Any questions about that? All right, this case study is 
a little bit different, a uh, complete left field for me. <coughs> this is an interesting subject. It's mini bikes. Who knows what a mini bike is? Oh, well, you guys are better than I. I didn't know what it was. Um, miniature motorcycle. It's a fully fledged motorcycle that uh, a lot of teenagers drive around on, and they go over dirt hills and do crazy things with them. Um, I didn't know anything about it, but I saw this two sets of forms for sale. So let me explain my, my attitude with this. After I'd made some good money with the small business branding site, the magic site, I started to look for acquisition targets. I became more aggressive with my, my planning and I looked for websites that were had the same characteristics, either a, a forum that I could uh, let it run automatically without me doing much work, or a blog I could set up volunteer writers for, something like that. Now there's a few sites you can go to and monitor to find that have a constant stream of websites for sale. Uh, there are alternative ways to find websites uh, to buy, which I'll talk about in a couple of slides. But in this case, I went to a specific marketplace, and these two websites came up for sale for auction. They're called uh, miniriders.com.au and Pocket Bike Racing. They both focus on the, the miniature bikes marketplace. And I saw them for sale. I checked out the traffic statistics. I checked out how much money they were making. And the wonderful thing about them, it was owned by an Australian. So uh, I had the advantage that I was also an Aussie. It's easier for Australians to transfer .com.au domain names to each other. So you don't have the competition of a lot of US buyers as well. So I, I moved very quickly on these websites. I got in touch with them straight away and uh, made an offer uh, of the buy. It's like, like eBay, they have a buy it now price. Their buy it now price was 12,000 Australian dollars. I said, all right, let me check the stats and I'll buy it. So what I did was I acquired these two basically trading forms again. They weren't trading in this case. They were just discussing their passion for miniature motorcycles. And I knew because of the traffic the website was getting, it had a, an audience of about, I think, 1,000 active members who were all just talking every day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I can't talk for that long, geez. <laughs> um, because it had so many people there that I could stick some advertisements in front of them and hopefully follow through with the same formula I used to generate and increase the income. So once again, I made the offer um, a little less nervous this time, even though it was a lot more money compared to the, the first offer I made. I was getting used to this. I made more money, my income was growing, I felt more comfortable with it. So I basically did the deal and uh, purchased two miniature motorcycle websites on a subject I'd never heard of and had no idea uh, how it worked. But the formula I knew worked. So I immediately asked Rob, again, to be in charge of this website and gave him some instructions. The idea with these websites were to increase the revenue by adding more advertisers and generating uh, more page views, getting more content, building an email list, all these different strategies which I'll we'll talk about. And uh, that's what Rob did. I gave him instructions like, Rob, go and contact all the online websites that sell miniature miniature bikes, uh, products, whatever the case is, parts, the bikes themselves, and see if they're interested in sponsoring the website, create some packages for them to buy, and that's what we did. And he, we increased the income again, we increased the revenue. I, again, I shared some of it with Rob because he was you know, looking after it. And uh, that was another case where it wasn't, the, the, the actual price when I sold this wasn't uh, as a significant magnitude as the small business branding blog was. But it was a situation where, again, I generated, I think at the end, that was about two to two and a half thousand dollars a month from these miniature bicycle sites with Rob looking after them. So I was completely hands off, and that was just coming in one after a month. So they paid for themselves within about, uh, I think it was about six to eight months with that case, paid for themselves, and then they just sat there being a passive income stream. 
Uh, eventually, I did decide to sell them 18 months later, and in this case, they, again, I sold these for 30,000 US dollars for that sale. So again, a little more than double my money, and you know, a significant flip, a significant cash flow source while I own them, all part-time, all on hand. That's the picture of uh, miniwriters.com video as it looks like today. Uh, the new owner did a redesign of it, but just a forum. That's all there is. It's a community forum for lots of people sharing interests. They go and visit every day. They, they post content for you, and it's user-generated content, so completely hands-off. I love that. That's one of the things I looked for whenever I was doing this strategy. Uh, just makes it so much easier to generate passive income without doing a lot of work. Alright, so these are the strategies you can now try if you're going to consider doing some sort of investment in website property. I've done a few, those are three major case studies. I've done a few other deals of uh, businesses I grew up in and sold. Uh, as I said, the biggest one I've sold was for $100,000 and that magic site would probably be the smallest case study of about $13,500. The strategies you can use, you can create a new one, build it up and sell it. So I've done that a couple of times. Uh, the good thing about that is it's like growing a business and just selling a business when you're no longer interested in being in that market or you think the time is right, whatever the case is, except your initial outlay can often be much lower. You're not just doing a bricks and mortar business with inventory, with you know, storage, uh, staff. It's just a virtual property. It generates an income and you, you, know, you build it up, find a buyer, flip it. Some people do that for a full-time living. That's their, their income strategy. This one I guess it's closer to the real estate investment strategy. You might find sites that look like they have a lot of potential. Uh, you see there's a forum there, but maybe they're not putting enough advertisements on it. They haven't built an email list. They haven't really leveraged the potential to generate an income from the traffic that they have. So you can buy a site like that, renovate it, and then flip it to and get double your money. Even, now even if you make 10 or 20% return, if you buy a $50,000 website, you can be making thousands a month doing that as a strategy. This third option might be one that really you guys are interested in because you have businesses already. I don't know if you've ever thought about uh, as a lead acquisition strategy to actually go out and find websites that currently have your target market and make an offer to buy them. The great thing about this strategy is you already have a conversion mechanism. You already have a way to make money through your business and you just want more customers, more leads. So, for example, you've probably done some search engine searches in Google to find what websites rank well for the search terms you want to bring leads to your business. You could find websites that do currently rank well for certain phrases and make an offer to buy, and then that's a great way to get in front of that traffic. You know, throw your, your, your whatever lead generation process you have in front of that traffic and convert those people to customers. The great thing about that strategy is it's only powerful for you because you already have that process. Other people won't see the value in a website like that, and the owner, very likely won't as well, so you can get in at a, a very low price because they won't see. You now, a website might be making nothing, but it's got hundreds of thousands, I mean, hundreds of thousands, but thousands of visitors a day. You've got a product to sell to those people, and therefore it's valuable to you, not so much to the owner. So it's a good strategy uh, for people in the room, anyway. That's kind of what I do with small business branding. I already had an audience of internet marketers, I bought small business branding. I pretty much doubled my audience as soon as I owned that website. They all went onto my email list and I, I kept some value that way. All right. These are probably important to you. Um, these are trading forums where websites are bought and sold currently every day, all the time, and a great place to learn how this industry works. Uh, the first one there, SitePoint.com Marketplace, is the best, the most popular, therefore the most competitive. 
It's the website where I've done most of my buying of websites. Bear in mind, I would dive into a $100,000 acquisition at this place if you don't know what you're doing. But it's a good place to you know, find a blog that's making $500 a month, buy it, and experiment with that process of growing it and you know, increasing your return. And you treat that like an investment. Uh, the great thing about that site is you can see other people, what they're selling, how much they're charging, what statistics they provide about the websites, um, you know, how many bids they're getting, what's popular, what's junky, what looks like you know, a fraud. You know, look out for those things. Uh, the Digital Point Forum is not as popular for this particular subject, but it has a lot of trades going on. Same story for the buy-sell website. Now, the thing with all of those sites, they're popular, and therefore you've got a lot of people, like myself, who watch them every day. Now, I was able to jump on certain acquisitions quickly because I was watching that site. I literally would log in while I'm sitting at home working on my business. I just have site went open. I just see what options are running. And if something caught my eye, I'd immediately send a message to them or do a little bit of due diligence to see what the website was about. There's other people like me doing that. So the problem with those sites is the competition. And you do need to act quickly if you find a good deal. Uh, the problem with hacking quickly, you also have to do your due diligence to make sure you're not buying a lemon. So there's a real fine balance there. There's an element of risk. So I wouldn't jump into this unless you're prepared to treat it as an, uh, an, ex you know, an investment experience, get some knowledge first, and then, then dive into it and start low. The other way, as I mentioned before, is actually approaching advertisers, I'm sorry, website owners, and asking whether they're interested in selling. That is the way to get bargains. That's the way you can find sites because the person who owns them are not thinking about selling until you actually ask them. And they go, well, wait a second, I could actually sell my website. And for them, if you offer $500 and the website might be getting 1,000 unique visitors a day, you can get those 1,000 people into your sales funnel that you do to produce income. Uh, it can be worth to you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. So very low acquisition cost for a very high return on investment for you if the numbers all line up. So that's perhaps a strategy you might choose to go for. Just do a Google around and see what websites are there. If it looks like they're being run by one individual who doesn't know much about the audience they've got, make an offer. See if they're interested in selling. Everyone got that? Sorry. Okay. All right, so this is a re the renovation strategy. This is what you do if you acquired a website and you're looking to increase the value of the website. You can do all of these things. Some of these things is entirely up to you. The, the, the actual goal here is, is really to increase the main metrics. So the amount of money it generates, the amount of traffic it gets, those two things are very interrelated. So number one, uh, increase traffic. So to do that, the, the most common way is to add more content. And that's been my strategy online. I produce content, I give away free value, and I get traffic as a reward for that. So you can hire writers to do this, or you can write the content yourself. Uh, you can add some sort of content generation mechanism, like a forum, and that can help it become a viral uh, content generation strategy. Two, you can attract more sponsors. This is what I talked about with those other sites. I told Rob to go out there and find potential advertisers by just either emailing the owner of stores. Uh, one of the really good strategies we used that worked well was to find our competition or our similar, similar sites to our own sites and see who was currently advertising on their site, approach those sponsors and say, we have a similar audience, would you be interested in sponsoring our site as well? Number three, increase the advertising fees. This is ridiculously easy. Just um, 
just adding, uh, you know, I, I bought some sites and just asked for double the amount of money from the sponsors. You know, it, to go from 50 to $100 is not such a big jump for an individual sponsor. If you've got five sponsors and they're all paying $50, if you increase that to 100 each, then you doubled your money. So um, often uh, just experimenting with pricing will increase the value of a website and the, the income you generate. Four, this is actually something that pretty much every website out there that has traffic is probably not leveraging. It's just adding more places where sponsors can uh, advertise on your website. So you've obviously you've seen banners before and you're probably quite sick of them, but the opportunity beyond banners is actually quite significant. For example, uh, people aren't doing this right now, but sponsored video, uh, YouTube video could be placed on a website, an advertiser could have a short commercial in the video. Sponsored audio, you might be running a podcast or a website might be a podcast, inserting advertisements into the audio is another way to monetize that, audi that audience. Um, just adding more banner spots, adding places to sell text links, people will buy text links sometimes, paid content, people will give you an article and pay you money to publish that article on the website. Again, just increasing the revenue streams you get from the website. And I did that with pretty much every website I own. I just added more advertising until I combined it with multiple channels of income and generate a significant uh, return that way. Five, uh, proof conversion. It's a little bit different. If you purchase a website that's, for example, selling an ebook or a membership site, uh, there's probably a sales page, there's probably an email autoresponder sequence. Just do some basic conversion improvement, improve the copywriting, uh, test the headlines, do that typical direct response marketing, and you can turn a website that sells you know, 10 ebooks a month to selling 20 ebooks a month, 30 ebooks a month. I've got a friend who uh, did this exact strategy. He went to SitePoint and he found a website selling an ebook on knitting. And my friend's about my age, same thing, he's a guy. He doesn't do anything with knitting, but he knows direct response copywriting. So he bought a knitting website and it came with a sales page and an ebook and a follow up sequence. That's all he purchased. He went through the copy, went through the, the email, improved the conversion on each of the, you know, the, the key points and doubled and then tripled the return he got from that. And he's still running it. He runs that as a passive income stream for him. So that's a, a, another strategy, especially if you already understand direct marketing, that's your business. So like rent, whatever you went. Um, six, okay, great more product to sell. Uh, really good strategy. My arrow's broken, but really good strategy is to just add more product. The same way you can add more advertising. If you're selling an ebook, just add a back end to it. So you could look for a person who's got a front end product selling an ebook or something like that, and then just add a home study course, a set of CDs, whatever the case may be. Increase the size of the sales funnel to generate more return on that first initial sale they're getting. So another good strategy. And seven, this is really important. Most websites out there don't have an email list, which boggles my mind. Most bloggers don't have email lists. So just adding an opt-in box to a web page, start building a list. You can sell advertising in the list. You can sell products to the list. You can just build relationships so that you're developing, uh, you know, developing relationships with your customers. And then it's amazing how many websites don't do this by nature. So take your, your marketing acumen, what you already know, find these dummy websites, add an email list, add a sales funnel, and you've got a business already. All right. This, uh, this topic is actually probably the hardest part for a lot of people, which is actually figuring out how much to sell your website once you decide to, uh, to let it go. I can't give you a really solid answer to how much a website is worth because really the answer to that is what someone is willing to pay you for it. What I found, and this is like a general rule for places like SitePoint like I showed you before, 
a website will sell for roughly 10 times the annual profit. And that, that, that can be very, very. Uh, some of the websites I've bought, you know, for like 2,000 will sell for 20,000. Uh, sometimes you can only double the money. The general rule, though, is to look for that 1 to 10 times ratio, and you'll have a Somewhere, it'll, very likely, it'll, it'll fall somewhere there. <coughs> a good example, the, the $100,000 deal I made, that was a, a business that was pretty much uh, ran itself for quite a little bit of administration. It, it made about thirty to $50,000 Australian uh, a year, and it ended up selling for 100000 US. So you can see that was about three times uh, the annual profit in that case. <coughs> the rule with this, the more passive you can make a website, the, the more it will sell for. So. If you are thinking of selling something, try and systematize it first, because then you can make a higher return on investment because people are willing to spend more on something that requires little work. We all want things that are easy. We want hands-off. We want easy businesses to run. So if the website's like that, then that will get you a higher price. Um, that being said, you can't always systematize some businesses. So you just have to be upfront with this, and people will maybe see how they can systematize it and, and buy your website. But ultimately, with this question, the best thing I can tell you to do is go into SitePoint right now and see what people are spending money on, how much the website is generating in monthly income, and then how much it sells for, and you can start to get a feel for it. That's what I did. I got a feel for it, and then started doing some sales. All right. When it comes to actually selling the website, if you've got uh, you know, assets to sell, you can either do this yourself or you can hire a broker. Now, I've never used a broker. I almost used a broker for the, the big deal, the $100,000 deal, but I ended up finding a, a buyer myself. Broker is actually quite easy to find if you go into those forums and say, I've got something worth you know, considerable value, I'm looking for someone to help me broker a deal. The broker performs a, an important role because they know people who have money to invest in websites. So if you can find someone who does this as part of their business or maybe it's a side project, they can connect you with the people who have significant money, especially if your website's doing six figures plus. Uh, smaller deals, you're not going to need a broker for. You can go directly to those forums, post your website for sale, and you'll have people coming to you with offers and you'll just negotiate a deal. Uh, you know, if you're new to this, I recommend you start small. That's why I said you know, experience this first before doing big deals. The way I've found buyers has been quite interesting. I've either gone straight into the forums and asked, or I've, I've circulated within my network. One of the surprisingly easy ways to find someone to buy a website is to actually just tell everyone and tell the audience that you're selling your website. So I've had a couple of people, I've just put a post on the blog saying this website's for sale, and the people who read it have come and said I'm interested in buying it and made the sale that way. So that's a, a surprisingly easy strategy to find um, people who could be interested in buying websites. So that's your existing network. and. The general rule here is just have patience. Uh, don't take the first deal. Uh, wait for people, because you want to have a bidding war here, kind of like eBay. The more people who are interested in buying a website, the higher the price goes. And if you have patience, you can get a better price for it. But you know, if you want to get out, just exit. All right, if there's, um, you probably have studied a little bit, maybe if you've sold a business yourself, the due diligence process to go through selling a business. Selling a website is similar, but perhaps not quite as scary, to put it simply. Um, I have never done, uh, except for one deal, I've never actually used a contract. That's how easy this is. Most of my deals will be you know, with a, a person where you negotiate over email, maybe have a phone call, uh, and then you negotiate a deal. But for all this to happen, the really key point is to have a really good prospectus. 
So the prospectus is what gets the initial, initial interest from people. Now, prospectus is actually very easy to put together. Um, some of this may be very technical for you, and you know, if you're not a tech person, it's not going to make sense. But you're a tech person, or whoever you work with will know the answer to these types of questions. You want to provide data that the buyers are interested in. You want to provide information on traffic, and that could be something as simple as Google Analytics. So uh, you're very aware, well aware of one of the best statistics packages, Google Analytics. Who uses Google Analytics here? Are you all into it? Okay. Google Analytics is the de facto standard traffic statistics that most buyers are going to want to know, so I provide that. Uh, income is obviously very important. Uh, with income, you want to show proof. You need to actually take shots of PayPal accounts or uh, checks or wherever it is you take money. People need to see proof that you're generating that income. Um, a lot of websites sell affiliate products, so you want to show shots from inside the affiliate payment area. The cost to run is very important too. It's it's a funny thing with the cost to run because you'll find with buyers, they'll actually do a mental calculation on how much the, the site will cost to run for them. See, they may have servers that can host the website. They may have tech people. So it reduces the cost for them to run it compared to what you have to pay to run it. So for them, they can see more value in the website. So it's really helpful to tell people exactly how much it does cost to run a website in the prospectus and history. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Wayback Machine. That's a really good website. Uh, people, when it comes to buying websites, will use the Wayback Machine to assess how good your website is. So you need to be honest with this sort of information because they'll find it out. If they're good at what they're doing, they'll, they'll look up history. So if you can show traffic over time, income over time, um, you know everything, maybe people you've hired over time, just give as much detailed information as you can in that prospectus. The important thing here, though, is you don't want to give this information to just anyone. The idea with this is you give the really detailed numbers to the, the people who show that they could potentially buy it. You only give the general audience a kind of a basic rough breakdown of this information. So a two-page PDF may be all you need for the general audience. When you have someone who says they sound like they know what they're doing, they have some money, that's when you give them the really detailed information and start the negotiation process. And now that negotiation process works, pretty simple. Buyer will make some sort of offer and you'll start to negotiate and then settle on a price and away you go. All right. So this is typically how it works. You agree on a price, you create a legally binding contract if it's a significant enough value to do so. So I don't recommend, obviously, if you're doing a $500 deal, you go and spend $2,000 on a contract. But if you are doing a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000 deal, you might want to invest in a contract. Uh, I obviously recommend legal advice on anything legal. So uh, as I said, I did use a contract for the $100,000 deal and uh, a couple of the $30,000, dollars $40,000 deals, but nothing lower than that. Uh, the transferring of funds can be directly PayPal to PayPal account, bank account to bank account, or you can use a third-party service called eScrow, which basically holds the money for both parties, and both parties have to agree that the terms of the contract have been satisfied, and then it will transfer the money. So uh, eScrow.com is a service that does that. They take a little fee as well for doing that. Um, most of my deals have been done with people who I've established a relationship with, so we haven't used an escrow service. What I often will do is pay half the money up front, take ownership of the website, have it run on my servers, make sure that it's functioning as they say it is functioning, make sure the traffic is there, make sure the income is generating, maybe over a period of two weeks to a month. If I'm satisfied, then I'll pay them the second half of the money. So that's a good strategy just to protect yourself 
instead of using an escrow service. And that's pretty much it for a transfer process. All right. The most important thing here, and this is where you're probably lacking a little bit of information, is, is the due diligence process. You really need to understand how the website works. Now, I've never bought something that I didn't fundamentally understand the process it uses to generate an income and to generate traffic. So I don't recommend you buy anything if it's just they tell you how much money it makes but you don't understand how it makes that money. You need to see a method where you can go in there, tweak something, improve something, improve their process and increase your return on investment. So if you don't see that, you either need to find out that, ask more questions of the seller, or don't buy it. Uh, that's really a fundamentally important part because you're, you're investing in a little business in this sort of sense. You wouldn't buy a business without understanding how it works. Um, that's pretty much it. My most important point there is be patient as well. Don't jump into the first deal that you see. I, I spent a lot of time watching SitePoint. I've made offers on probably three times as many sites that have actually gone through with deals just because I you know, I do some due diligence, find out the site's not really as good as I thought it was. I, you know, the site would get a higher offer than I thought it was worth. But when the right deals came along, I'd make an offer, I'd be the right place at the right time, I'd get the, uh, I'd get the deal done, and I'd acquire the website. So, and those are the sites, pretty much those case studies I showed you in all situations like that, or I've started it myself. I think I'm pretty much done. So I've got lots of time for questions. I don't know how much time I have left, but um, you better jump up and get to those speakers, otherwise I... <laughs> I've got 30 minutes time for questions. Hello. Hi, uh, I'm Denise. Um, how do you go about organizing a contract when you're selling it from Australia to somebody in the US, perhaps? Um, pretty much the same deal. I, I, I've sold to a Canadian woman once, so in that case, it was a case of just going to my contract person here. Um, we get some input from her, her name was Fiona, and she, we basically negotiate a contract together, and then both our lawyers at each end would sign off that we're happy with it, and then we just sign it and send it back and forth between each other, and that would, uh, that would get the deal done. But, you know, my lawyer was satisfied in Australia, her lawyer was satisfied here in Canada. Um, that's what you can do, I believe. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know the specifics. I'm, I'm a programmer okay. and have mainly done desktop applications, but about 18 months ago I decided to do my first website. I chose a, a site domain name that is this long with keywords, even yep. I can't remember it. It's an Amazon associate program that has made me about $13 in this, in this 18 month period. Right. It has traffic of about 10 people, perhaps 20 people per month. And I don't really see the point in doing it up. So I'm better off just offloading it as it is. Possibly. If you can not <laughs> Throw it in it, the waste bin. Yeah, if you haven't been doing anything for 18 months, yeah. then maybe it's because you need to actually, you know, put there effort isn't in. anything else but, that I can do to improve well, it, I don't think. I mean, you could hire someone like I did. I got Rob. And then I, like, do you understand how you could turn that website properly? I bought pre-existing software. Right. Um, some $97 software that I uploaded and then just did all the connections directly right. to Amazon. And you understand how that makes money, right? It's, yeah, yeah. With so, a very small commission, yeah. Right. I know that I could put a forum on there right. for but, people that were interested. Well, the key is you're missing traffic, though, that's right. But that's what you're lacking, the turning yeah. that into a video stream. So yeah. if you had some strategies to increase the traffic of that website, and you're saying you don't want to do them personally yourself, right? But you I think that. With the Amazon traffic, Amazon commission being so so my so minuscule, it's not worth paying for the traffic to go to the site. But right. Well, there's potentially a fundamental flaw in that strategy. It's the, the revenue you get from the sale. So you do want to make sure that 
you know, that the ebook example I gave from my knitting website, it could be a $27 ebook that makes 50% profit margin. You know, if you can get a few hundred sales a month, then it's a significant amount of money. Um, taking it further, I know my friend is producing CDs to sell on the back end, you know, $97 CDs, and really expanding out the, the sales funnel there. So that can uh, be ramped up. If you don't see that possible in what you're talking about there, then yeah, you okay. just have to switch it off. Thank you. Hi, Eric. Um, could you tell us what system or process, um, software you might use to uh, charge for the banners each month? Yeah, that's true. I mentioned that. Uh, I use a program called, it used to be called Open Ads, and now I think it's OpenX. Um, it's a PHP. Uh, this is the system I used to rotate the banners, so I should clarify. PayPal is the answer to how I take the money. Um, On a subscription basis? Yes. Okay. Just to can't bring it up, but I have a page for advertising on most of my websites, and what it will do is list how much traffic the website gets, and then I'll have packages, and the package will be like, get this banner, get another banner, pay $100 a month, and then there'll be a link there that's a PayPal subscription link, they'll purchase that, they'll send the banners to my admin assistant who will upload the banners to my rotation software, and then each month that money will keep coming in unless the buyer decides to cancel their campaign. So it's very hands-off like that. In fact, that's one of the things we did. We bought forum websites or any site that had traffic. Almost always, they don't have a good page that sells their advertising well. So simply putting up a page that says advertising, listing the traffic the site gets, how much money it costs to advertise, giving people a, people a button to buy and spend money, instantly created an income stream because that wasn't there before. They didn't, it, was, it was difficult for them to actually buy advertising on the website. So that's one of the first things. Do. And do you stay in contact with those advertisers and um, tell them, you know, how much the site's increased? And uh, I don't. I, my admin assistant does a little bit of that, but the actual software reports. So what it will do is it'll spit out a report on how many clicks and how many views the yep. banner is getting. Brilliant. So again, completely off. Thank you. OpenX. It's a great, great tool. It's free as well. Uh, it's worth bringing it up if we can go online. Sure, we're on. We're online. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Who wants to go online? Line, have a look at that. Good idea. Okay, so while Yara is doing that, uh, Ray, do you want to give us your question? And you can do multitask. Okay. Uh, okay, Yara. Um, my question is on forums. Uh, is there any particular software you use that uh, sets your forum up for you on a, a website? I've always used a service called uh, B Bulletin. Uh, not always. That's that's basically the leading industry leading service. It's called Google. And uh, it, that costs money. It's about hundred dollars for a year long license with that. Um, before the bulletin, I used one called it PHP Board, I believe it was a free one. That's it. And then even before that I was using Envision Board. That was my first the magic site. It's called Envision Board. I think there's a license fee for that. But these are fantastic scripts. You install it. It's got instant messaging, it's got you know, threaded subscriptions, people can go in there, create accounts, spam protection. It's like a little package for a business in itself. And um, it's installed, set up, and let people use it. But the hard part is getting the audience to actually start posting you know, threads and, and talking about things. So, so Yara, if you were somebody like me who doesn't have a clue about that, doesn't want to know, yeah. um, what sort of price would it cost to get somebody on? They outsource that to somebody who knows. Getting a forum set up. Yeah, just to go there. That's a peculiar job. It's, the installation is very easy. It's upload the scripts. So how much, what sort of job is it? $50. It's a $50 job. You go on to somewhere like rentacoder.com, yeah. rentacoder.com, or 
encoder, uh, Elance, script lands, but um, once it's there, that's the easy part, to be honest. The, the challenge is getting the audience. So, so that was E or V? E. e, e electronic lands, yeah, Elance. E, no, no, sorry, the, the oh, software. V, v bulletin, V for victory. Okay, great, thank you. I'll pull up for you. I'll pull up the uh, advertise page. So you guys at this level should be really, I, I don't believe you guys at this level should be, unless you do it for fun or you've already got that, that knowledge, should be trying to go out and learn how to build a website in the sense that what you should be doing is, is like be like the captains of the ship. The captains of the ship's not down in the boiler room stoking the, uh, stoking the coal. He's up there telling everybody else what needs to be done to keep the ship going in the right direction. Now, Carol, um, there's another question. Yes, hi, Carol, Carol Hazel. Uh, I was uh, recently looking for a website name, a particular name that I wanted. I do this from time to time. It happened to be taken, and when I inquired, it was taken by a US company that sells sites, uh, or site names. There's actually no site, no traffic, nothing else involved but the name, at some price, somewhere around, I don't know, 4,000 US dollars. Um, how important is the name, as opposed to uh, the other aspects of the site? It depends how developed that site is. If that domain name has a lot of traffic going to it already, then that's where the value is. So um, if it's got no traffic going to it, then I wouldn't be worrying about it. Um, you know, if Google lost Google.com, I think they're going to go after it pretty aggressively. But uh, if, you know, I, I'd worry if I lost my domain name, but if you're just starting out, domain names are fairly, I wouldn't say irrelevant, but they're not at the top of the list of importance at all. So the actual uh, volume of traffic and other aspects of the site, you think they're more important than the actual domain traffic, name? Traffic is money online. That, that's the answer. I mean, we're, we're all into lead generation for small businesses here. That's what lead generation is online. It's, it's getting traffic to a website. So that's the, that's where the, the value is for people. And of course, converting that into to actual customers and sales. Thank you. Carol, can I comment on that? For, uh, for our point of view, for URLs, what we suggest you do is to make sure that the URL is a URL that's, um, it, that relays the benefit of your site. Okay, so we have um, uh, skincanceradvice.com, uh, practicalreportwriting.com. Uh, so see how they, they're not about, it's clear what it is, what, it, what it's about, and in terms of skin cancer and report writing, keywords that people will search on and that will help with the SEO stuff so generally speaking we, we've never actually had to go and buy a URL can you think of any time? No we've never actually paid anything over the standard sort of ten dollars for a URL I guess the only exception would be if you have an offline business running and you go to actually buy your business name as a URL um, and it's already been taken that might be the time that you would buy it but if you're just looking around for a good name there are still so many Billions of combinations of words, and particularly think about something descriptive, as Andrew said. The other thing about the only, only other time I thought about buying something is when somebody has my name, AndrewGrant.com. He's actually taken by some guy. I assume his name's Andrew Grant in um, in uh, Wales. I think he lives or something like that. Um, so I'm thinking of, I might get Andrew L. Grant, which is my middle name, or just. I could approach him and say, how connected are you to this, mate? <laughs> you notice Darren Stevens has DarrenJStevens.com because of the, uh, the bewitched actor, yeah. Darren Stevens. So he hasn't been able to get Darren My Stevens. Yaros.com is a supply company in the States. Yeah. I have no chance of getting it. So. Okay. Yeah. So, there you go. So. Um, this is the, the sponsorship page just to show you. It's basically a little description of my website to start with. Um, 
I actually have an email capture form to keep in touch with advertisers as well. Uh, obviously, they're paying me money. There's a potential that I'm paying more money in the future, so I'd like to stay in touch with them. And then statistics, and then simply the packages. So it's pretty straightforward. This is how much it costs. This is what you get. This is a little list of the benefits of spending some money and advertising on my site. And then that button you see just down here will click through to PayPal link, I believe. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, and that's it. That happens. This is again really passive. That's the beautiful thing about this. Uh, I have an admin assistant who gets the PayPal email, gets the banners from the sponsor, uploads the banners, and I don't even know, in fact, who's sponsoring my sites most of the time. It's really hands off for me. So it's this little passive income stream. Yaro, what was the link um, on oh, your yes. site there? Entrepreneur's Journey. Bunch. Oh, sorry. Just slash advertise, I believe. Yeah, entrepreneurs-journey.com forward slash advertise. This is a template I teach pretty much all my blogging students because by being bloggers, they're very much into generating income from advertising. And as much as this makes sense to me, most people don't do it. So it's just a simple trick to increase the potential income you can make from a website by giving people the opportunity to give you money. That's basically it. Yara, about how many people do you have? Oh, sorry. You're right. No, you're how many people, uh, how many visitors a month do you have to Entrepreneur's Journey now? Or how many subscribers? The subscribers? I've got proof. <laughs> it's on the top right. Where are we at today? 58,791. So. Is that that's, nice? Yeah, that's, that's, that's also actually my email list, too. I can reach most of those people through email, so I do a lot of. Uh, Response marketing list. So what that actually means is 58,000 people have come to your site and actually signed in and subscribed that they want to hear from you on a regular basis. That's right, and that's why I'm usually like a top affiliate for product launches in this marketplace. Uh, just recently, Jeff Walker's product launch formula was released for this year's annual. I was the fifth affiliate around. Well, there's hundreds of affiliates, and you know, I think it was about $40,000 in, in income from me sending basically one email and one blog post. So it's a fantastic business model once you've established that, that list. How long has it taken you to get that blog going? That, if you go back to the Wayback Machine, you'll see it in its infancy in late 2004, but it really started off in 2005. Uh, so four years. Four years in. Um, I only started list building. This is the key point. As I said, I, I didn't learn a lesson myself. I started list building only two years ago, so I built up that email list to 50,000 in about two years. Two years, okay. So, um, what would something like that go for you, Rick? Sell it. Yeah, it's, I, know, I know you would. <laughs> I know, my baby. It's like taking your magic cards away from you, but. <laughs> but, but Back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you were. Just, if I was just, to value it, I've thought of this being a business person. Um, it, it'd be tough to say, because obviously there's an intrinsic me in the website, so sure. they'd want to keep me well, on board. Well, let, let's take this one out of it. Just say something similar to that. It's taken two years. What sort of value well, should somebody get? You do the math. I mean, how much is the site generating? In this case, let's say I'm doing a quarter of a million a year in, in profit from the website. That's, you guys know these numbers, probably 1.5, one, somewhere between 1.1 and 1.5. Okay, so um, we'll just sit down and put a little bit of effort into something for two years to get a, over a million dollar return. I'm taking offers of 1.5. Any advance on 1.5? And you know, because it's, it's making that sort of money. These are just what I want you to get. And the reason that I, I wanted Yara here today, I want you to get the idea. These are real assets. This is like a, a house that you sat down, lifted, painted. 
built in underneath, done the renovation, and some of that, it actually has increased in value. Uh, the way, just the way you measure it, though, in this, in this way, is, is about the number of people that are there. Remember the list that we talked on the first day? It's got a value in its list and the systems, it's automated, and the money that it's bringing in. Greg. Hi, Yaro. Uh, blogging question, if I may. So this blog's obviously got a lot of momentum. If you were to start all over again, is there anything you'd do different or what would sort of be your high-level procedures? Because you see like, like most people have got small blogs, not really much of a following. As I mentioned before, I, I make sure I'm capturing email addresses. That's just a you know, strategic thing. You want to be doing that. In terms of getting the growth, I believe in establishing yourself as a maven in your industry. And the best way to do that is to, to basically, in the, in the term, they call it moving the free line, which is delivering excessive value up front for no cost. And that's what I do every day with this website. I produce great content. So if I was going to go back and do this again, there'd be two things I'd probably stick to. One, regular content production of all multimedia, so video, audio, and written content. On daily type basis. If you can do it daily, that's going to get yeah. you there quicker. And it's just this. But you have to, like, if, you know, everyone here has got a small business, they probably know something to a more finite detail than the average community does. That's where your value is. So you need to be delivering that to people through a blog. The second thing I would do, I'd get a free report or a free incentivized something, a series of videos, audios as quickly as possible too, because even a small blog, if it's 100 visitors a day, you can convert <coughs> 10 to 20 of them onto an email list. At the end of your year, a year, you've got three or four or five or six thousand on a list. And for a lot of people, a niche list, with if you can get, turn those into buyers, is a profitable business. So I would start by just sitting down and knocking down and giving out great content. I'd interview experts and get as much traffic coming in by doing that, and uh, just start building a business, basically. Mm -hmm. Can I keep grilling you? You might. Okay. Uh, so, what about from a social media point of view? So, are you doing much in the way of social marketing of blog posts when you write a blog post? Or I'm prolific Twitter and Facebook, but they're very interlinked. Uh, write blog post. I'll go to Twitter. I'll tweet my blog post. The tweet automatically goes into Facebook. That's all hands off. It's done for free within Facebook and, and Twitter. Uh, great thing about that is it's given me multiple contact points to get my content exposed to people. Um, I think you had someone talk about Twitter earlier in the workshop. Yeah, Denise, yeah. yes. Right, and obviously, you know, I tweet a, a piece of content, it gets retweeted virally, and then that brings new readers to my blog. Uh, Facebook, same deal. People are seeing the stream of updates. Yara's got a post. Um, it's, it's an uncanny, actually. I, I put a video out, I just <coughs> finished doing a launch, or it's happening right now. I produced a little short video from home. I basically did a slideshow like I showed you guys on my travels, but I stopped at the point where I was in Toronto, Canada, doing a launch of a, a blog product back in August of 2008. And I said that this launch ended up making $200,000 in, in membership payments. And I put that on my blog, and then I did a tweet about it, and that went to Facebook. And Facebook is full of people who aren't exposed to me as a marketer. I've got my dad, I've got my high school friends, and I've got some of these people going, you made $200,000 where you're traveling overseas who never, ever like, imagined that we're in this business doing this kind of money. And that was because of the social media aspect. So they're going to start talking about me uh, you know, and, and sharing the links and bringing the traffic. So I think social media is it's exceptionally powerful when it's used how it's intended to be, not as a marketing tool, 
as a like a, an invert marketing tool. It's, it's more of a, a subtle one. It's firstly a social tool. So I, the idea, I guess, is to make use of it as a social yeah, just spreading your message sort of thing. Just, yeah. just deliver content. People like I, I, I remember I sent a tweet out about this. So many people fail at online marketing because they're not very good at delivering value. Uh, most people who actually put an adequate effort at writing a good free report will get a fantastic return from that, but most people don't do it. Well, it's the way it is, and that's great for people who do do it, like us, because we stand out from the crowds and we by providing good information. So, you know, that's, that's the philosophy I built that blog on. So. One last question. So you're, um, when you're capturing your leads into the autoresponder, yep. how's that integrating with the, you've got feed burner there as well? That's separate. Um, that's an Aweber list. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I've got a series of 52 emails that come out weekly. Uh, blog tips, um, that's the automated follow-up process. It's basically 90% tip, 10% join my blog training program. So just take it back, you've got 52 emails, yes. and they're sitting in a computer somewhere which automatically sends them out. You don't have to sit there that's and right. send them out. That's right. Is that right? It's the classic internet marketing formula. If you guys aren't doing that with the website, it's should be. I mean, it's so automated. Uh, I also have affiliate promotions go out automatically, and because you know, I draw the diagram, and it's you know, person does a Google search for a topic. My blog comes up as the search result. They go in, opt in on that box you can just see in the bottom right corner. Bring it up. So that's it there on the uh, that's the opt-in box. So they'll enter their name and email to get my free report. That puts them straight onto that list, which has 52 emails that automatically go out to them over a year. And it takes them through the process of building a successful and profitable blog. Um, in, I think it's week three or something, week four, I have a promotion for my coaching program. A couple of weeks later, there'll be a promotion for an ebook of someone else's I sell as an affiliate. Uh, and just, it goes through this process. And every day I'm waking up to some sort of notification of an affiliate sale, a sale of my membership site product. Um, sometimes when there's a time-sensitive launch on, so something that's only open for a week, I will send a broadcast to that list, and that's how, you know, it's, it's, the numbers always astound me. That list has got 50,000 people on it. If I can get 50 of them to buy a $2,000 product, it's $100,000. It's, it's, uh, do the math right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's 50 of 50,000, so what's that, a 0.1% conversion rate? You can produce that kind of income. So, um, once your list is, got momentum, like you said, yeah, yeah. got momentum, then it starts to become a real automatic income stream. So. Cool. Yeah. Thank you Thank you very much. Nice. Yara is one of these guys who com does the combination of, of, of a big list. So it, it, the value of Yara's list comes from the size of his list. Remember what was the other What was the other thing that you had to get? Relationship, relationship with the list. And that Yara puts uh, a lot of effort into maintaining the relationship with his list. That 50,000 number wouldn't be worth much if he just if the he doesn't maintain that relationship or, or if he abuses the relationship. Would that be right? That's correct. I mean before I came to this that well you can see the first blog post I wrote was published this morning just to make sure there's a little piece of content going out. And that was uh, an interview with uh, another membership site owner. And this is the sort of thing that I've been doing not every day. I, I do it maybe two or three times a week now, but when I started it was every day. And I just put a bit of content out. And this is an interview with a friend of mine over in, his name is uh, Daniel Skoko. He runs a membership site of his own. And he's in Brazil living like a king because he makes $10,000 a month from his blogging and his membership site. Um, and $10,000 US a month is like, 
I don't know, it's a lot of money in, in Brazil, Sao Paulo. So, and, and I interviewed him. So I did grab them grab the on Skype, recorded the interview as a telephone conversation sort of thing, put it on the blog, content, you know, helps build the, uh, the, the traffic even more. What I like to say with this, this website builds trust for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether I'm there or not. And that's the trust, that's the relationship that helps for when it comes that time to say, would you like to buy something I recommend, that trust brings in the conversion. That's so important. Can you make a comment on, um, it? because most of these guys here have uh, traditional bricks and mortar businesses and some of the internet's a bit of a, a, a foreign thing. What, what's the application of a, of a blog to a traditional bricks and mortar business? It's basically a marketing tool for you guys. So it, it'd be an extension of the specialty that you provide right now. Um, you would, I'd love to use the plumber example. If you're a plumber and you were going to start a strategy that involves a blog, you teach people how to do the things that a plumber does. So fix leaking taps, fix toilets. You, you do video and show people how to do that. Put that video on your blog. Most people will come to that, um, you know, they'll type in how to fix a leaking tap. Your blog will show up in the search results. They'll watch your video and they'll go, wow, this guy knows how to fix leaking taps. Where's his phone number? I don't want to do it, but I can see he knows how to do it. He's built up that trust with me because I've seen him do it on the video and then call him up and, and get that done. And the great thing about, for you guys, you're probably very much local oriented businesses. It's so easy to rank well for local search results with the blog. You don't need to do massive link building campaigns and, and you know ongoing marketing processes because you have very weak competition usually online. So a blog with some regular content going out, just a little bit of consistent work, can get you the number one result for you know Brisbane plumber, Sydney plumber, whatever it is you're going for in your marketplace. So it's, it is a marketing tool at the end of the day. Um, hello, I'm Sarah. I have a question about WordPress. So is your blog run with WordPress? Yes, it is. Yeah, and so that's a good basis? I use WordPress for pretty much everything. That's WordPress.org for people who don't have a blog yet. Uh, not to be confused with WordPress.com. The .com service, you don't own the, the script. You want to get .org and have your tech person install that for you and get your blog up and running with that. So what, what, just that's a real important point. That, yeah. that is, it's just, just explain that again, repeat it again, and explain the implications okay. if they get the other one. Uh, you know what Blogger is? Have you seen Blogspot blogs before? That's the common service people use for blogs. It's basically, you go to a service like blogger.com or wordpress.com, you fill out a form, they generate a blog for you, you start writing it. The problem with that is it's not yours to own. The blogger or WordPress own that blog. You want to have a domain name and install this, this software called wordpress.org and have it on your own server so that if something happens, you're in control of it. Uh, I've had some horrible stories of people who were making good money, $2,000, $3,000 a month on Blogger, Blogspot, and uh, the people who own that service now is Google. They decided there was some sort of fraud going on, but they thought there was. It flagged some sort of warning there. Their websites were shut down overnight, and that income stream was basically eliminated. Uh, they tried to get the sites back up, but they couldn't, and that was the end of the deal, so the websites were gone. If they owned a domain name, they could just move servers and be back up in 24 hours or less. So, so if you're not sure which one you've got, you must be able to put it onto your server and control it. If you can't put it onto your server and control it, then it's not the one like you the, want. The difference between like GeoCities, I mentioned that the free website, very, my very first website was GeoCities, and then I bought that MTG Paradise domain for the Magic website. And I owned that. That was my house. I wasn't renting anymore. Can we maybe just wrap up by uh, talking about um, the lifestyle that you have now? Because one of the things I love about what you do is you are living the four-hour work week. 
Yes. Who's, who's read Tim Ferriss' book Four Hour Work Week? Yeah? Most of you haven't read it? Wow. Wow. Okay. And put it on your list, guys. The Four Hour Work Week came out probably 18 months ago. It was a bestseller just about everywhere. The Four Hour Work Week, Tim Ferriss. Too busy working to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually got an interview with Tim on the blog too in the podcast section if you want to hear that, the audio version. Um, so absolutely awesome book about leveraging and outsourcing all of the crap out of your life. And uh, what I love about what Yaro does is he has taken, uh, well, you probably do it before <laughs> Tim actually wrote uh, well, it. Well, yeah, Tim came to me and yeah, said, yeah. you know what I'm doing, we should get to know each other. So. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, you know, it, just the value and the power of outsourcing and the lifestyle that it's given you. I know, for example, last year you travelled eight months eight of the year. Eight months of the year, yeah. It was, uh, as you saw on the slides, I went to Fiji, Hawaii, America, Canada, Europe, um, down to Dubai, Singapore, back home over eight months. Um, rented apartments or hotels throughout the entire place. All I had to do was make sure there was internet access wherever I was. And my assistant, Angela, was back here in Brisbane. She's a stay-at-home mom with two kids. Uh, my business partner, Gideon, he was home in Brisbane in his house. And we did launches or I wrote blog posts and it really, you know, you know what it's like when you're traveling. You can't be nine to five working because you're traveling. You, know, you want to go see things and experience it. So I wake up in the morning. I might write a blog post, or I come home at night and do it. And then the rest of the time was spent eating a lot of Belgian chocolate. That was pretty <laughs> so great lifestyle uh, and income primarily passive, isn't it? In that it, sense well, that it's information product. Yeah. That's I think really important here. I think most people in the room might have businesses that if you left, you'd be in trouble in keeping them going. So converting some of what you do to some kind of information-based information -based business that sells online, which is probably what you're here for in a lot of places, would be a very sound strategy and a good diversification strategy for generating more income. That's what website buying and selling for me was as well. It's another income stream, another way to diversify and make myself less dependent on something that I had to be there for because I had an English school and I had to be there to make sure that the students would come in, the teachers would come in, and I hated having to be in an office nine to five. It just that's having a job, and that's the whole reason why I got into small business was not to have a job.